Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio, do you know that there's still a chance for you? Now, Movie Maintenance hasn't been nominated for a podcast award, but that's no excuse not to go and vote for all the other brilliant Sans Pants shows that have been. Head to podcastawards.com and vote for Planning the Death Star in the comedy category, Shut Up a Second in the entertainment category, D&D in both the People's Choice and Games and Hobbies, uh, and It's Just Good Business in the Business category. You can vote daily, so synchronize your watches and get voting. I know hearing Gabe spin a spellbinding tale from just the gossamer floating about in the ether is important, but let's sweep the awards and then maybe Movie Mainers will get nominated next year. It deserves to. Did you hear Gabe's jaws? That shit was cash. Details on how to do all that are below. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some films just need fixing. Today we're looking at The Golden Compass. What a film. Oh. <laughs> can I can I confess like a total lack of professionalism here? I did not rewatch it in preparation no. for this podcast. <laughs> I was going to, I was all geared up to do it. And then as I sat down and prepared to uh, hit play on it, the crushing disappointment I felt in 2007 as I walked out of that cinema with a smile on my face trying to be like, yeah, it was it was good. It was, nice. it was good. That that just came back to me and I was like I I don't want to I don't want to subject myself to that again. Nothing. Can, can I do you one better? I was watching it last night and I fell asleep. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it wasn't even that late. It was like 11.30. I just, I was like nearly, I was about halfway through the film and I was like, I'm getting, I'm getting sleepy. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. I don't know what time it was. Film was over. It was dark in the house. I was like... You know well, what that is? That, that's your body rescuing you. That's, that's literally yeah. like, it's like a fight or flight thing. It's like your body being like, okay, one of two things, either putting myself to sleep early or subjecting my brain to the rest of this movie. Yeah. Weigh it up. Mm. Yeah, nah. Yeah, I, when I was watching it, you know, I went up to like, you know, make myself some food or something. And because it's like, you know, on computer, I could pause this with a press of a button and I didn't. Because I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. Not worth the time, effort, and energy. It's just a shockingly not a good film. Like, it's not a bad it's not terrible, film. terrible, yeah. It's just like, it's perfectly competently made. But mm. it also, one thing that I find really striking about, and I remember thinking this as I was, as I was watching it, because it had a pretty big budget. Like, I think it was about yeah. $200 million or mm. something. And look, I mean, realistically, as much as I hate it, I, I get why they made the changes they d- did. I mean, I think if you're going to adapt a film series, you should commit, because what's the point? Mm-hmm. But I can see why studio heads would have been like, oh, no, I'll get rid of the religious stuff. Oh, no, I'll get rid of the... I mean, I don't I necessarily... But don't adapt this book series and choose exactly. any other children's book series. Like, why, why, why choose this? Why choose this? It? It's but, so like the plot is the, the, the whole trilogy. Kill God. That's yeah. your yeah, plot. That's, that's what it's about. Fucking and plot I of this book. If you are going to adapt to the series, I don't think necessarily faithfulness is that important. I think faithfulness to the spirit and to the core of what the series is at its heart is what's most important. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, what was it? A lot of them, I think I read an interview with Kevin Feige the other day, not to talk about Marvel too much when we're talking about YA <laughs> fiction, but, like, he was saying that, like, the he actually believes the key to Marvel's success is the fact that they didn't try to excuse the ridiculousness of what they were adapting, they lent into it. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, they were like, yeah, he's a talking record, deal with it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't actually make a big deal about how silly it was. Ant-Man, yeah, there were a couple of cracks at the expense of the name, but otherwise they played it relatively straight. And more or less, it kind of works. And I do that. And the more I've sort of watched this unfold, the more I'm kind of realizing adaptations that fail tend to be ones that try to change the essence of what they're adapting. And Mm. it was like the Golden Compass tried to be relatively faithful like as far as the plot beats go it sort of sticks to it yeah mm-hmm. but without any of the depth complexity mm. or 
you know, the fact that it treated its audience with complete respect in that book. Mm. And they, they got rid of all of that. They tried to dumb it down. They got rid of killing the kid at the end. They toned down all the religious stuff in favor of like, oh, yeah, but it's got polar bears with armor in it and they fight and kids cool. will love it. But it just, it, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, but I just don't understand why you throw that much money at something as complex and tangled mm. and Particularly if you're, dark this was going to materials. be you know, the launch of a, a a trilogy. Because if they were going to lean into the, the, the next two books, if this was your launching off point, the people who say would have loved this film, when the next ones come around, they're like, exactly. no, like, what? this wasn't what I expected at all. Because you'd open with killing a kid. Exactly. You're cutting off <laughs> yeah. your nose to spite your face. Like, it, it makes no sense. Like, I mean, you kind of need to sell. I think you need to, if you're going to, you know, do a series, you kind of need to sell in the first installment what the series mm. is going to be. Other thing, did you guys notice this? How cheap it actually feels? Like, you know, bits, mm. you know, where um, I think it's towards the end where uh, Lara uses the alethiometer and she finds out that, like, the polar bear has been poisoned. And the footage she sees in, like, that brief flash. I mean, this is a memory from almost 10 years ago. So correct me if I'm wrong, but there are like flashes of like her putting together all the bits and pieces that say, oh, yeah, this polar bear killed the other polar bear king or whatever. And there's the shot of poison being put in the cup. And it's the same shot as somebody putting poison in Lord Asriel's cup at the start of the film. It's like, what? It's polar bear hands don't look like man hands. That's not how it, like it just, yeah, it's. Like, I don't know, because I remember, because I, I watched this when I was in London, weirdly. Like, I went to the openings, like, when it all opened, again, I was like, oh, this is going to oh, be great, because wow. I fucking love the, because like, I listened to the audiobook version of this when I was, when it was like, first came out, and it's got, like, a full cast. Yeah, it's like a stage play. Yeah, yeah, and it's so, it's like, it's got um, the author reading all the narration stuff, but then it's got oh, a wow. full cast of characters, and... Um, I think they switch the, the 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 boy in number two and three. Will. So it's yeah, Will, and it's just the voice actor number three isn't as good as two. But yeah, it's right. <laughs> but it's really good. And um, the bear in in this in the audiobook is like it's so good. It's like just use him, just use him, and that's fine. But they ended up just not doing that. But the one thing I did notice that was just as one weird plot point when they go up in in the in the novel. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but they free all the kids and then they go to the ice bears, right? Yeah. And then in this one, they just flip it, it for no real reason because if you flip it, then wouldn't you now have a kingdom of ice bears to help you in that yeah. fight? And if so, why aren't they there? They're like, you're our new yeah. king. Goodbye. We'll chill here. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just hang here while you go by yourself and risk your life. You're, you're, you know, um, it just seems like, I don't know about, you know, uh, Bear King society, but I would assume that they would want to protect said Bear King. Well, you you would think so. Also, Ian McKellen voices the Bear King. Originally, it was... Yeah, um, I heard that it, he got recast. It was... who was The guy who plays um, Zaro's own Doxos in Game of Thrones, um, Nonzo, uh, I don't know his name, anyway, um, he was originally the voice of Yorick Bjornsson in the film. And I remember they recast with Ian McKellen, specifically because the studio wanted a bigger name. Yeah. And Ian McKellen just kind of sounds really bored and i mean yorick bjornson is such a great character and it mm. just I, look i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm sort of inferring too much from that his information but it sounds like somebody picking up a paycheck as opposed to somebody actually mm. playing a character like he's just reciting lines and relying yeah. on the fact that he has quite a sonorous voice yeah to like lend any humanity or character or anything to humanity for a talking bear but whatever <laughs> like you know character or personality to him which there just isn't like he's a Big CGI mm. bear with a deep voice, and everything is said in the exact same way from memory. Ten years. Yeah. No, it is right. Yeah. And they even get uh, Christopher Lee in, and he's like built one of yeah. the top. Um, like very interesting. Yeah. One word. But I mean, a lot of the voice actors are like that, though. If you actually look like who was cast for them, mm. the big names, and they get like one line. It was like mm. Kathy Bates Kathy was Bates. Hester. Yeah, yeah, she's like one line. Yeah, it's just it. Madness Sabansky's in this as well. Yeah, yeah, she is. And you're like, why? What? What's what she what, doing? Huh? How'd that happen? <laughs> Like but there, there's if you because I remember when I was watching this, I read a lot of the trivia and all the other kind of stuff around this, and it just seemed it was in developmental hell from the word go. Yeah, so like three directors. Like, uh, well, two, two, but three. He, he like he left, left. Someone else came on board. Then he came back. Yeah. It was weird. You had Nicole Kidman being like, "I'm a, a heavily Christian person or a Catholic person. I still do not know the difference." And I've had to explain to me so many times, and I just don't care. Um, but she was being like, "I'm one of those two, and if this was like inferred to being like anti-Christian, I wouldn't do it." And so they, like, you're like, why then are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. um, it was like boycotted at one point by like the Midwest because of the yeah. anti-Christian um, things. I mean, they um, say like uh, no, like bad publicity doesn't exist. Like all publicity is good. But I think for this one, it, it did really hurt the film. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, the, the director was just like, I really, I just want to go on record as the original um, bear voice was so much better or it was really good. Uh, I just want to say that, that to be known. I just want that on record that I'm disappointed that he is not. But um, he did a real good job. So here we are. But maybe like, maybe this is sort of what went wrong there. Because I remember when that film was first advertised and everything. And the first trailer for it was like the ring from Lord of the Rings, yeah. like falling and becoming the alethiometer. Mm. And because it was New Line Cinema and it was like their first big project after the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm. finished. It was pretty much them trying to create a new Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm. which his Dark Materials was never going to be as broadly popular as Lord of the Rings. It wasn't going to work. Why do you try to make it? I mean, I know why you try to make it that way because money. But like again, like you said, then you'd open the second film with killing a kid. Then yeah. you'd like, and then like, how are you going to end this? How are you going to end the series where they literally mm. kill God? There's no pretense. There's no subtlety. They don't wrap it up in any way. They literally kill God <laughs> at the end of the series. But how? It's probably the execs like they only read the first book or something, which oh, didn't realize. Bear with them, I'll green light. Did you? I remember seeing the trailer, and in the first trailer, it has the those end scenes of yes. when they show up. Daniel Craig is there, mm, that's right, and like the, uh, the Aurora. Yeah, it's whatever, all there. And like the doorways to another world. So and, I remember because then yeah. go and watch the film. You're like, wait, what, what happened? They so they cut it. They changed it super late into the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, reading about the director was just like, I'm so unhappy with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't Alan Smythe it, to be honest. Although one thing I will say that was really good about it was Lee Scoresby. Uh, perfect yeah. casting of mm-hmm. Sam Elliott. And that's all I can say that was good about this oh, one. But I didn't like Lara. Good, yeah, I she? thought that Dakota, Dakota Blue Richards. Richards? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I liked her. She was good. I just didn't believe some of the words coming out of her mouth. I think that might be more of a scripting thing. Yeah. I retrospectively don't like her because of Skin Season 5. I was going to say, she's in Skin. But, and, oh, God, she's... T- I, mean, I don't think it was her fault. I think just Skin Season 5 was appalling. <laughs> but I remember liking her at the time and thinking, yeah, she's a respectable Lyra. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, it's, I mean, it's a, she's a pretty tough character probably to get mm. right. And I think she did a pretty good yeah, job. I, I, don't, I don't remember ever sitting there watching her thinking, you're a shit Lyra. Yeah. Like, I don't know. To me, it was like... Very unlikable throughout the whole film. There was no moment I was like, nah, I'm on her side. I was like, nah. But see, that's why Lyra's tricky because Lyra is sort of that. Like maybe a little bit acerbic, a little Mm. bit rough around the edges, kind of a bit aggressive, but you like her because she's gutsy and she's spirited and she's sort of no bullshit. Mm. And I mean, that's, that's a tough, that's a fine line to walk because yeah. if you go too far in one way, you make it grating too far in the other way, you soften her too much. So yeah, there was that one good moment where they're chasing and like, you know, like, Oh, the goblins are going to get you. And it's like, I can't, you can't come past this here. And then they're like a little argument with the kids. <laughs> and then it's like, see you at seven. And they smile and laugh and they leave. And like, that was a really good moment I felt in that film, but on a whole, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's such a good cast. I mean, Eva Green's in it, and I like anything that Eva Green is in. <laughs> but she was blue in that. Yeah, she no, didn't she... have much to do. No, really. I just love that uh, landing on the on the ship, being like, "If you're so great, tell me which one of these did I make love to real good about?" <laughs> and then just like, let let a ten year old child look into a fucking magical thing of the past, and like, yep, you fucked him good. <laughs> I don't remember that at yeah. all. Why? Why did you ask that? Oh, you odd film, odd, odd choice. Who else was in it apart from Daniel Craig? I think mm-hmm. yeah, Daniel Craig bored. Nicole Kidman is. He looked very fine. Bondy. Nicole Kidman was kind of bleh. Yeah, a lot of just. I, I don't really like Nicole Kidman in anything though. To be fair, so nah. See, I don't either. Like, I just yeah. yeah. It, maybe her early stuff. Like, was it the Deep Calm one she was in with um, Billy Zane, I think? And uh, what's his name? Hugo, is it Hugo Weaving? I haven't seen it. They played, like, on this boat, and this one guy, I think it's Billy Zane, is just this, like, fucking... It's a murderer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that so, was a good film. I guess, I mean, like, you know, we, we want to maintenance the movie, but yes. it's a bit mm. moot because at the same time, you know, we know that there's a BBC TV series coming out mm. written by Jack Hi-hats. Thorne, who... Sorry? High oh, hopes. high hopes. And well, written <laughs> yeah. by Jack Thorne, who is writing the Harry Potter stage play and was a, one of the main writers on Skins in the early seasons. Oh, yeah. um, and apparently he's like a really good playwright uh, of his own volition. And so they're making a BBC TV series. Presumably you'd learn from the mistakes of the film. Uh-huh. So presumably they're going to be darker and more intense and actually sort of keep true to the is books. Is it the whole trilogy or is it the first book? I don't know. I think it's the whole trilogy. I mean, well, maybe, like maybe it's, I think, because I think from what I've read, it's like an event series and they'll do the whole story. And I suppose because, you know, I mean, allegedly, because Philip Pullman wrote, there was the, um, 
Lyra's Oxford, yeah. and there was Once Upon a Time in the North. Mm-hmm. So it was a little Got book this. about Lyra. Yeah, me too. Beautiful little books. And a little book about Lee Scoresby and Hester and Yorick Bjornsson, actually. And then there's, he said at one point he wants to bring out a little green book about Will. And then there's the Book of Dust, Dust. which nobody knows what it is. <laughs> or like if it's going to be but a novel or an anthology or anything. Yeah. It's been, well, I mean. I Googled it today. No updates. I Googled it about two weeks ago. And yeah, nothing. I think he said maybe. The last we heard was he was like, oh, it might come out in 2015, but he's been saying it might come out next year, every year since I first read the books in, like, 2006. Pulling a George R. R. Martin there. Yeah, yeah it's and, – and still nobody knows what it is. Like, is it a is it a novel? Is it a sequel? Is it a prequel? Is it a backstory? Is it a collection of stories? Yeah. Is it just him in front of, like, a green screen telling you what happens? Because I'd still watch that. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm up for it. Anything more <laughs> in this world that isn't, you know – All right. So we've got like high hopes for that, and I really hope they just lean into the – to what the – Books were in, in an essence, and at least kill a kid. Yeah, kill a kid. I mean, just, just <laughs> it's, like it's fairly it. essential. It's like you need that. Like you need that. But also, I mean, because like so much of that series is about the loss of innocence. I mean, that's yeah. actually kind of really what it's about at its core. And it always kind of, you know, I think Philip Pullman said he based a lot on Paradise Lost. And so you yeah. have that Adam and Eve taking the apple. There's a lot of that kind of theme going through it. And Lyra and Will's whole arc is all about that loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. And I think for Lyra, that begins when she idolizes her father and she idolizes Lord Asriel so much. And it's when he kills Roger. That's kind of yeah. the beginning of her being like, oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's such an essential part because she spends the whole book being like, I need to sort of, uh, from memory, she because she needs to save Roger, but there's part of her wanting to save her father and like looking up to her father as well. Is that, or is that towards the end when she finds out he's kidnapped? It's been a long towards time. The, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Well. Um, anyway, like, I, I do remember her idolizing her father mm. being a really big part of it. And it's yeah, the well, realization she idolizes, like, you know, Mrs. Uh, Coulter as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, you know, she just turns out to be a mega bitch to her. So it's just like, you know. And also, yeah. like, learning that her parents are both horrible people. Yeah. Like, like a lot of Asriel good stuff and, and work with. I like the fact that, like, when we sort of come into the third book, Asriel and Coulter both, from memory, yeah, they sacrifice themselves yeah. to take down the head of the angels. Mm. And I love this whole thing with both those characters where and, – and I think um, Coulter actually saves Lyra's life at the end of the yeah. second book mm-hmm. and, like, keeps her safe somewhere for a while. And there's this whole kind of theme there with um, both of those characters as, yeah, they're awful, but they're not completely awful. And I think part of the series is learning that, like, good and evil isn't black mm-hmm. and white, which I think is a kind of a great thing to teach kids – Correct me if I'm wrong. Did the novel open up with being like, there are parallel worlds? <laughs> so some parallel worlds. I'm going to give are you this. all the information. And this parallel world is a this. Yeah, we I have don't... demons. Was it Eva no. Green doing like a voiceover? Yeah, it's Eva Green doing yeah, a voiceover. Uh, let's just a little little thought experiment. So let's, let's uh, go all the way back to when this was released and where studio execs being like, all right. Red pants. <laughs> Let's just try and do some. Uh, this is this is this is what they gave us. We're like, okay, here's some notes. Because first thing I'd, I'd scrap that whole bullshit. I yeah. think the audience maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think the audience might be a bit more intelligent to understand that this yeah. is a parallel well, fantasy the universe. Book also, like I remember opening the book and reading the first page, and it was like Lyra and her demon, and then there's Lord Asriel and his demon, and it literally just throws you in the deep mm-hmm. end, and it's like, yeah. figure it out, and that's and that's good. great. That's fine. It's again, it's young adult fiction treating mm-hmm. its readers with respect. It's because not spoon feeding. I just realized with this version that we got, talking about parallel universes doesn't fucking pay off at <laughs> all. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's that's so, true. so true. Because they don't. Is it even a limit to? Like, no. They just. Because apart, apart from opening was, setting at the start of the film, yeah. like, does it at any point figure into the plot in any way? Like, you know the whole is it established with, that's you know, what Lord Asriel wants? Yeah, no, he does all? say. He does say when he's having that meeting at the yeah. very start before he gets, like, yeah, when yeah, he gets yeah. poisoned kind of thing. It's him saying, there's these other worlds. I want to travel to them. But he never gets but, there. But, would, it, would that pay off in any way? <laughs> it doesn't pay off at all. In a narrative where it doesn't end with him killing a kid to get to said universe. <laughs> no. Wow. Oh, man. Like, what? Who was behind this shit? Uh, what you know, studio like, executive looked at that and was like, okay, <sighs> I get the integrity of this story. Mm-hmm. I get why things that are, I mean, it's storytelling 101, right? Like, you yeah. set things up in point A and you pay them off in point B. Yeah. You set up Lyra idolizing her father and then and, and her, like, love for Roger and her trying to save him. And then at the end, her father kills her best friend yeah. to get what he wants. And she's like, oh, fuck, now I have to deal with that. You set up Asriel yeah. wanting this so much. Like, pay it off with what he's intent, what he's willing to do to get it. That. That makes sense. That's yeah. just basic storytelling. A five-year-old would tell a story that way. What fucking... Who got 
paid enough money to look at this script and just be like, you know what? That integral part, that integral satisfying payoff, no. Nah. No. Nah. Put it in the sequel because like, yeah, we're, we're, we're selling with, people I, on this film and then we're going to put... Open with, the, with him stabbing a kid. Because, you know, that, that whole classic, again, you know, the opening image, closing image has to be juxtapositions. You know, it's like, a good example I can think of is, you know, Thor The Dark World. Opens with um, Loki in change, closes with Great Loki. Example. Loki Great, on the th- Great example. Great right? example. Yeah. So this, I'm guessing it was... Opening with like there are parallel universes and meant to close with we're going, going to a parallel yeah. Which universe. Would sort of make I mean it, would, it wouldn't excuse clunky, like, no. overly obvious exposition, but it would at least be a, yeah there, it right? Would, yeah, so, yeah. something. Scrap so. that off. <laughs> Uh, that's my number one. But I mean, it's not that like I mean, apart from the fact that I did mention before, I think it's cheaply made. I don't think it's. I don't like watching it. I think you can tell that it was compromised. Yeah, I think that's sort of evident there throughout the film. Like you can tell. I mean, I reckon all those swaps and switches and everything. Like talking about, um, you know, the bear fight being before rescuing the kids and stuff like that. That feels to me like stuff that was probably fixed or mm. changed in post. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering, was it just a badly made film, or were we, or was it an okay film? That was completely fucked in because they obviously shot Azrael killing yeah. the kid. They obviously shot all that. Yeah. I don't know if the religious stuff was that. more explicit like, in the first place, but yeah, why haven't we got like a director's cut? Like we have, you know, eighteen versions of Blade Runner. Why don't we have at least two versions of Blade Golden Runner? Was Compass? relatively well liked, uh, yeah. so it could justify more <laughs> <Yeah>. cuts. <laughs> uh, yeah. But because like, we know we know it exists, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, like I would almost argue that yeah. I reckon. How much better would it be though? If we had like a director's cut, would it be that well, much better? Would it be? I don't know. Like it, it might be because that's, that's kind of the question. It's like, was the film fucked up by an inept director, mm. or I don't was think it so. fucked up by studio interference at the end? I, I think, I think it's the, studio the, one because the director, uh, what's his name, Chris, Chris Wise. Wise. He's been on. You know, he's like, I, I tried. This was like yeah. a passion project for ages for him. He was like really wanting it. He like you know wrote the adaptation himself at one point, and you know he, the reason he left was because of studio interference. And then there was more student interference with the second director, and he left, mm-hmm. and then Chris he ended up coming. Chris Wise ended up coming back. So I'm I'm assuming, I, I you know you don't want to point fingers, but I wouldn't point fingers at him. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he's yeah. actually like a big atheist, and that was what that was drew what him to the project. Him, yeah. So yeah. the fact that this film like tries so hard to not be religious points to the studio. Steering him away yeah. from doing it. If you make it religious, we lose all of Middle America. We can't have that. Again, they kill God at the end. How are they going to feel about the no, third part no, of the trilogy? Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to make him a CGI monster. Uh, Will and Lyra team up with mm, another person, Batman, and they take him down. I <laughs> no, 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 maybe. maybe. Maybe you know, not. I actually saw. Um, funny story. Oh, no. oh, I, I, yeah. I've, I, I saw the movie and then I saw it again a second time, but a censored version. So I was, this is like a long time. How do you sense that film more? Yeah, this. Is, so I went. I was in Kuwait, which is in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and um, they still censor all their movies. Uh, like they will normally just censor out any kind of kissing, sex scenes. They just, they just get cut. But when I went to go see the Golden Compass, there they cut out any religious stuff. So anything that was related to the dust plotline just got cut. So if you thought the movie didn't make sense the first time, <laughs> try watching it the second time with ma- wow. mainly the whole plotline. So was the that... movie was like about an hour long. Huh. And I was like, but why did you guys even show it? Mm. <laughs> it's a great line in Community where they have the um, Pulp Fiction themed party and somebody's like, oh, Shirley, I'm surprised, you know, Shirley being the religious one, like, I'm surprised you like Pulp Fiction so much. She goes, well, I saw it on a plane once. It's a great 20-minute film about a bunch of friends who like coffee and burgers. It's lovely. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. See, I'm thinking if we had a parallel, another parallel universe, but a parallel universe where this film was a success and we got the second and third installment. This film as it mm. is? As it is, is okay, was a right. giant yeah. success. I would surmise that what would we what we have gotten was Roger would not have been killed. He would have had maybe an arm cut off or something like yeah. that, like he was maimed but not killed outright. So it's like he can't kill a kid, so he would have like wounded a kid. So either got like, you know, his blood or something like that, right? So there's still some weird blood. Yeah, killed, okay. But not a killing of a kid. Um, then maybe you get rid of Will. Replace that with Roger, <sighs> and we don't kill God, we kill Satan. <laughs> Just like take flip the, the whole meaning of the book. Yeah, I can see it and You're I it? hate it. Yeah? I can see it and I hate it. 
I reckon um, that may have that been what they what were going we just got, yeah. I think like when when all was said and done, I mean I don't I don't think like I think the the core and the root of the problems that I think scuppered this film in the end, maybe actually I think, you know, the, the studio interference and whatever and all those problems, mm. I think they're symptomatic of a bigger problem, which is you want to make a big follow-up fantasy trilogy to Lord of the Rings. Why choose this film? Uh, mm. Sorry, this this yeah. series. Why? Because, I mean, surely somebody somewhere along the production process would have read the series and been like, this may not be as broadly accessible yeah. as Lord of the Rings. This it's, like It's like, you know, you, we, okay, okay, we've, we've kind of, you know, our bread and butter is like elves and magic. Why don't we just adapt a whole bunch of other elves and magic books, you know, have, try and get the rights to the whole, you know, Wheel of Time. If yeah, you exactly. want to do that, try and do anything with, you know, David Eddings or any of those big, you know, fantasy writers and just being like, let's try a hand at that. You know, there are so many kind you know of it, other you know things that been, you could have done. It just would have been one of those things where somebody, they probably just bought the rights because, I mean, you know, you know how studio, it's common practice in studios to just like buy up the rights to... Anything yeah. that's relative. Golden Compass, that sounds good. Bye. Yeah, and somebody would have bought the rights, and then it would have, it probably would have just changed hands a lot. Like it would have been one studio executive would have mm. looked at it and said, "Oh yeah, can we make this? Like you know, give this passes off to some some writer. Can you make this work?" And then somebody would like Chris White, for example, to come on board and be really committed. You probably would have had one studio head who's like, "We're going to green light it. And we're committed to actually doing it properly, and we'll do it the right way, and everything like that." And then it probably would have changed hands somewhere along the line, like somewhere mm. in kind of the some cog in the machine would have fucked it up. And then bit by bit, it just kind of would have yeah. been eroded and eroded and eroded. And they would have gone into filming mm. it thinking, oh, yeah, maybe we tone down the religious uh, aspects. We don't mm. explicitly refer to them as a church. We refer to them as a magisterium. I mean, because, you know, you do still have like the religious stained glass windows and stuff in the film. So it's there if you want to find it. I would have preferred <laughs> it was more explicit, but it, it is there. But then, yeah, as it went on, then somebody would have just... It probably changed hands again or some higher mm. up saw it and was like, we can't do this, we can't do this, and kept interfering, kept interfering, kept interfering until the essence of the story was so skewed and fucked and far away from what it was that you end up with this weird mismatch film mm-hmm. that just feels uncomfortable to watch. Like, it just feels like it's trying so hard to be something that it's not while sort of trying to be what it is originally at the same time. And it just kind of feels really just mm. odd. I think you have to think remember when it came out at the time because i think they're obviously trying to go after the harry potter market like that's yeah oh, they yeah, bought yeah, they yeah. would have bought the rights to it to make it into it. like wow harry potter is blowing up this is like a similar fantasy series that kids it's, it was very popular it came out a bit before harry potter like this could be the next thing but they didn't really go any further until to looking into it yeah and i just I, I'm, I'm surprised that, yeah, you're right. Why follow up Lord of the Rings with this? Because Lord of the Rings is actually quite Christian as well. Like, Yeah, you know, but it's not, I mean. Well, Tolkien was himself. Comparatively, I would say, yeah. like, for point of comparison, I mean, because bear in mind, Narnia yeah. had come out and been really big at this point as well. Narnia, yeah, exactly. But, like, Narnia is fairly, Narnia is a lot more explicitly Christian than, yeah. like, Lord of the Rings or anything. And <laughs> Phil what? Pullman, yeah. Phil Pullman, I think Phil <laughs> he Pullman said he said wrote the, his dark materials mm. as a response as an, yeah, to Narnia. To Narnia. Mm. So, I mean, and, like, the Narnia films don't hide that. I mean, I think there's a bit in um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader where Aslan outright says, I'm known by a different name in your universe. It's like, hey, I wonder what name that might be. Muhammad? (laughs) (laughs) And then we just lost Middle America. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, I I don't know. So so what do we think? Like coming Hmm. into this TV series... Do we th- uh, do we think they'll have the balls? Because uh, they, surely they have to, right? Because they, yes. they have to know yeah. they have to know what fucked up. They have to know what went wrong, and they have to understand that you cannot mm. adapt something without staying true to the essence of it. Well, I, 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 I they would and, have to because you know it's it's a different time now. They're not going just for you know opening weekend and that kind of stuff, and it, they're giving it a TV series or at least event series, so they've got time to breathe. Yeah, so. Hopefully, that- their audience is not America. Mm. Well, they'll be thinking not about that afterwards. Initially, anyway, yeah. yeah. They'll be uh, a British audience is not as hardcore Christian. Exactly, as they, America. British audience is a lot more accepting. I mean, look what happened to Skins. I mean, the British version came out was hugely successful in mm. England. They remade it for America, Ugh, toned down so everything. It was terrible. Yeah. But they also softened and toned mm. down the whole thing, mm. and it still like got put up for child pornography charges. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. People, I mean, obviously it didn't go anywhere, but like it, all People its, um, all its advertisers, because it. Mm. it was on MTV, and all its advertisers scarpered because basically people were so outraged by it that it was like depicting teen sexuality, depicting like teen swearing, even though it was beats, and like all of this stuff. And people just, the advertisers scarpered, it made no money. And it was just a gigantic, absolute fucking failure. Yeah, I'm, I'm now remembering why, like, in, in America, like, abstinence-only education is so big. And yeah, nah, fair, fuck. I mean, it's it's brave, but, I mean, we do forget that England, mm. the TV-making climate in England is quite brave. Mm. I mean, you know, we're looking at, I know it's not the BBC, but, I mean, skins, misfits, in-betweeners, and I know those aren't, you know, sacrilegious or anything, but I think you can get away with being a bit edgier and you can get away with being a bit more, you know. It's different though because that's like edgy in nudity and swearing. This is going to be religious, I wonder. But they've also, I mean, I don't know. What are other shows that the BBC have done that have I don't know if it was BBC who made it, but Russell Davies made a show called The Second Coming that was like, I haven't seen it, but it was like Christopher Eccleston plays like Jesus coming back and sort of being really anti-Christian, I think. I don't know if that was BBC or like another channel, but... To the same there audience. is a precedent yeah. for yeah. shows that are openly and also like Torchwood and Doctor. I mean, Doctor Who, no, Torchwood blatantly has scenes where characters die, come back, and say there is nothing. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who. Doctor Who has heaps of religious <laughs> stuff, like yeah. the scene oh, with the and, episode uh, with the devil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And where, also, like, spoilers for not this week, but last week's Game of Thrones is, you know, Jon Snow being like, there was nothing. Yeah. Fucking nothing. I mean, nothing that's not BBC, but like, I think, you know, Doctor Who walks a fine line and Doctor Who is about as broad populist entertainment, yeah. you know, sort of the Technically the kids, crown. but yeah, yeah, as it goes. Um being human, I think did something really similar from memory where and that was BBC three, but even that had like outright moments of when you die there is nothing. Or maybe it, anyway, it was fairly atheistic. I'm pretty sure it outright suggested huh. that there was no God or something or that God wasn't what you expected or I, I don't remember. Anyway, it's been a long time since I watched right. that. So, yeah, they, there is precedent. Yeah, is the point. And, and also it's a different climate now. I suppose the trick is, well, I suppose, again, I've just answered my own question because I was like, the trick is, well, how do you market it? Do you market it for kids? And then if you do that, do you have to soften it? But then I was like, but again, like Doctor Who has some pretty edgy stuff in yeah. there and that's yeah. as how and Look at Torchwood, even though it was the last season was trash, oh. you know, one of the main characters that we followed was a fucking pedophile. Oh, in the last season of Torchwood. Yeah. Yeah, he was too, wasn't he? Yep. A pedophile really? rapist, and he was yep. just one. Like, did you watch Miracle Day? I, I didn't and watch Torchwood. I watched all Doctor Who. <laughs> it was, okay, Torchwood, third season Torchwood is really all you need to watch. Um, Torchwood Children of Earth is one of probably the best things I've ever seen on TV. Oh, it's amazing. It's five oh, episodes. Yeah, you watch okay. it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. It's it's tears. It's edge of your seat. It's amazing. Rest of Torchwood, mm-hmm. first two seasons have moments, but literally moments. And when I say uh, moments, I don't mean episodes. Yeah. I mean moments. Oh, no, um, there's some episode, but episode where all these people are going. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Like missing and they think it's an alien, but it's like spoilers. It's just people being dicks. 
And then the one where oh, yeah, yeah. All right. um, Gwen goes and investigates all these people lost in time and it's just... Or the one where Owen dies and comes mm. back to life, but he's literally a walking corpse. And he's yeah. like, I can't drink, I can't have sex, I can't eat, yeah. I can't do anything. I have to like be constantly moving or else like my, I'm going to go into rigor mortis. Yeah. And I can't sleep, I can't... So basically it's like it's sort of a really interesting take on the resurrection thing. So it was this guy who got... One of the main characters gets shot and he dies, and they bring him back to life in the next episode using this sort of glove that's set up early on. So he can bring people back to life for a couple of minutes. So the idea is that you use it to talk to, um, you know, uh, victims of murder and stuff okay, to find yeah. out who killed them. And they use it to bring him back so they can all say goodbye. And then he just stays alive, but he's just a corpse. And, you know, like he has to, and it's, and it's like, you know, if he breaks his bones, if he hurts himself, it doesn't heal. And he can't, like, he can't do any, and That's he was really like cool. this really hedonistic character and he can't do any of the things he loved. And it's really interesting because like the next couple of episodes just follow him being like, see, how the fuck am I going to deal with this? Episodes. Torchwood yeah, had true, some true. really okay. good <laughs> episodes. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, the fourth series of Torchwood was like a co-production with an American company and it was like, the premise is great. It's the premise is that one day everybody on earth just stops dying. And it, look, we can talk about it ad nauseum because it was terrible. But one of the major characters played by Bill Pullman is a pedophile rapist. The series opens with him on death row and he doesn't die. He's the first person not to die. He saves the world in the end. He's a major character through the whole series. He's not a villain. He's not treated unpleasant. Like he's, you know, the characters are a bit like, oh, that guy's a bit sketchy. But he's treated in a really oddly... Like accepting way, <laughs> like, and then there's like there's a there's like I think it's like in the second last episode. There's a bit where he ends up like in the house with the main characters and their kid, and every time he talks, they're kind of like shut up, you. But it's not treated like get the fuck out of our house. It's treated like oh, there's that kooky guy again, and we're all a little bit sick of him. And that's how it's that's actually how it's approached. And it's like this guy, what? 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 Like it's shouldn't... really. Mm. Oddly put mm. together, but was Torchwood for kids, or was it like a no, no, no. bit older? Was meant to be a bit old. Okay. Torchwood was weird because it was just like put swear. It was like let's be more mature by adding sex and swearing, but not actually being more mature in kind of how we exp- until sort of the second third season. It wasn't actually more mature in how. Guess so what? Like first second up to Miracle Day, it was still had some mature themes going. Yeah, and they handled it quite well. Miracle Day kind of became clumsy. It was like Miracle mature Day, themes were there; yeah. they just weren't the explored biggest, or developed or anything. The biggest problem with Miracle Day, and this is, it's a good lesson in world building. You know, world building one hundred one. Don't do what this does, which is like you set up your rules at the start of your series or film or whatever, but then like halfway through it breaks it. Because it starts up with being like, not only do people don't die, they are like teeming with life. Like that's almost a direct quote to the point where someone blows himself up with a grenade and he's just like a splatter man on an autopsy table. And they're like, what if we do if we just clip this nerve that goes from like, you know, where, like the, the spine to the brain? What happens? And they just cut it and his eye still moves and he's still like basically alive. And they're like, hmm. So not only are they immo- like they're not just immortal, but they're like so immortal that nothing is going to kill them. But then that changes halfway through to be like, well, if you're incinerated, you're incinerated. If you're just, you know, feeling real sick, you go into a coma. And then they have yeah, basically this- it's like if you are meant to be dead, you just go into a coma. And it's, just, and it's like um, you're still alive. And then there's this whole thing where it turns out that the people who are meant – because obviously overpopulation kind of becomes a thing and mm. something they all have to deal with. And that's sort of the moral conundrum is like what do you do when all these people just aren't dying? And then the show kind of changes it and it's like, oh, yeah, all the people who are meant to be dead just go into comas. And then the government is secretly incinerating them. And everyone's like, that's terrible. They shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, I don't really see much of a moral conundrum there because yeah. they're brain dead. Like, yeah. you have to get rid of them. You can't be keeping them all alive because overpopulation. Like, it's a great concept. People stop dying within, like, two months of water's overpopulated. It's only going to get worse. What the fuck do you do? It's a great idea. It's the same, like, the third season of Torchwood had the core premise being an alien comes to Earth, demonstrates its power, and says, if you, like, you have to give me 10% of the Earth's children or I will wipe out the planet. And the most riveting stuff in that is the politicians sitting around the table saying, okay, so we take children from lower socioeconomic families. We take the children who aren't – basically the children who are statistically not going to achieve anything. We have to, like, exempt our own children, but we have to actually give up some of our own children so it looks like we're, you know, doing the right thing. And then someone's like, I'm not not giving up my children. Someone's like, I'm giving up my children. So, like, it's it's really – fascinating mm. like it's just that there's one episode that just focuses on that situation room of all the world's politicians being like well and england being like okay well we'll take all these people and they're like oh you're taking more children from england take more from america also and then america being like we're not giving up any of our children and all of like the yeah the, all of that, can you see like how you take this core idea it it's this like moral cool. conundrum and you totally broaden it out and it's totally feasible because you watch it and you're like 
I understand, like, I, I get it. Mm. These are the conversations that would probably happen in this situation. And so when Miracle Day rolls around, everyone's saying, fuck yeah, like, more of that, like, more mature, interesting sci-fi. Because, I mean, what was the best thing about, like, classic Star Trek? It was like, let's take a premise, throw it out there and say, what would this actually be like? Let's explore it. Let's play with it. Let's develop it. And that, I think, is what good, like, mm. really good speculative, sci- speculative sci-fi should be doing. And Miracle Day had this amazing premise. Like, it's got to be one of, like, the best premises I've ever heard. Mm. For, for a show like that, that it proves it could do it with uh, Children of Earth, and then it just doesn't do anything with it and <laughs> changes its own rules halfway through, so it kind of has the easy way out, and then yeah, it's very bad. And then anyway, <laughs> Golden Compass, back to Golden Compass. I think okay. Enough so about our point side is, BBC cast. can be edgy, and on top yeah. of that, I mean, look, we're saying can they market it to kids? Well, the fact is, we're ignoring, we're, we're sort of not addressing the fact that it's based on a very popular kids book series. That mm. is enduringly popular and is still yeah. a classic and still sells and still comes out. Yeah, you know, it still sells in the editions it, and stuff. Um, I used to work at a bookstore and so I would recommend it a lot because I loved it. But it is a hard sell yeah. to to parents. Yeah, sure. Of the, like, okay, what yeah. stuff do they like? They like like you know Harry Potter. It's like okay, great. They like Harry Potter. Okay, they'll love this series. This is an awesome series. They're like, oh, what's it about? I'm like, okay, so you have these demons. And then I have to try and avoid uh, oh, any... Don't, don't say the word demon. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. simply say they have a spirit familiar that is like part of their, you know, life essence. But the essence. thing about it is that like... I, like I, can't, I would like... It's hard to say because it's so much about religion, but yeah. I wouldn't say anything about that in my pitch to them just in case... <laughs> That they were religious, and then they would get turned off the books. I'm like, no, but it's so it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you have to kind of circumvent that. It's the whole the whole point of the series isn't about anti religion. It's just about thinking for yourself. Mm. And really, it's about growing up. Mm. Like really, what it is all about. Because I mean, the whole thing we talked about, like Lyra can read the Alethiometer because of her grace. I think they call it, which is basically her innocence. Mm. And at the end, when she kind of after everything, she loses her innocence. And, you know, basically she has to sort of, I think at the end of the series, it leaves her being like she has to study for years and years to learn to read yeah. the geometer again, which is sort of saying, you know, it, I, I think that's actually kind of in a weird way a metaphor about learning to be the person you're going to be. Hmm. You know, because as a child, you just know who you are and you don't question it. You don't question these things. And then as you get older, you learn to question things hmm. and you you lose all the yeah. certainties that you had as a child. And it takes years and years. It's only as you get older that you sort of learn to be sure about yourself again and learn to be sure about things again. And I think that's an integral part of growing up. And what I love about that series is that it doesn't it doesn't shy away from that. Mm. It doesn't shy away from the fact that it's like, yeah, growing up is hard and becoming an adult is hard and losing your certainty of life and your certainty that adults will always do the right thing and that the people you look up to will always be morally unfailing Losing all of that is a tough thing to come to terms mm. with. And becoming your own person is very, very tough. Becoming your own person when you are self-aware and you have the self-awareness of an adult, not the the trusting, unfailing sort of uh, certainty of a child, it's, it is tough stuff. And that's what I think is actually the most powerful thing about the series is not what it says about religion. I mean, that's great and that's effective. And I love the fact that it serves as a really strong counterpoint to things like Narnia. But at its heart, it's just about becoming your own person and learn to think for yourself. And I think whether you're religious or not, why would we be scared of teaching that to kids? I personally agree. So when we look at this Golden Compass film as it exists, how would you make this better? I would try and get rid of so much exposition. Mm. Uh, even to the point, you know, where the, the liar is like, oh, do you think the reason why my demon changes and yours doesn't have something to do with dust? It's kind of like... You don't need that in the fucking film because the children's demon changing would be so ingrained in that fucking society. Why would you even question it? So there just needs to be little bits and pieces like that. It's like, imagine that this is a world that's been lived in. Imagine this is a world that just straight up exists. So why would you be having those weird questions? So I would argue, really just scrap a lot of that exposition. Do not open with... Um, Eva Green voiceover, voiceover uh, and just accept that you know once we see a magical ferret turn into a butterfly that is sort of can't go too far away from a child we can be like different world I understand this is cool we see a fucking zeppelin yep different world alright yeah, I'm I'm yeah. so, I understand what's going on now so that's one of the biggest changes I would personally make uh, to sort of just fix this film to what it what you know what it could have been look i mean i i my big thing is not to blink don't compromise like again i i really really believe that adaptations that fail are the ones that don't understand the essence of the source material and i mean i don't and that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean being unfailingly faithful i mean look at i mean we, we were talking about uh 
well, I mean, tomorrow when the war began, the current ABC mm. adaptation, I see on Facebook and Twitter and everything, people losing their minds about the fact that it changes things from the book. Like, I see people, like, in a rage mm. commenting on everything on the Facebook page being like, <laughs> this was meant to happen in this order in the book. This show is so fucked. Did you even read the book? And I'm like, well, the difference is a book is a book. A TV show is a TV show. A movie is a movie. They're different. As long as you adhere to the essence of it, nobody mm. is complaining about the fact that the Marvel films aren't adhering to, like, oh, what exactly. Iron Man issue 367, <laughs> like, did. And, yeah. and nobody, nobody's complaining about that shit like the fact is understand that different mediums have different demands and hmm. I don't I don't mind it changing things I don't mind it tweaking the story in the TV show I actually think if I was writing that TV show I would actually swap things around more so that the structure could fit an episodic TV series more than a three book series you know, I think that's okay yeah. but understand what the series is about at its core understand that Lyra seeing her father killing her best friend is so essential to what her ultimate development is which is her loss of innocence and her loss of trust mm. And don't shy away from that stuff because the fact is, like, what, you think you're saving people by just saving it for the next film? You're not. Um, that, that to me, is the yeah. big thing. Like, just it... Because that would be a real, real jarring and a weird opener. And also the fact is, like, I don't know why, why people have this idea that kids are incapable of dealing with darkness or challenging ideas. That's just not true at all. I mean, mm. like, look at... Indi- kids love Indiana Jones. Kids love Star Wars. I mean... Willie really fucking his, Wonka, his hand cut off by his own father. Yeah. Willie Wonka had that nightmare trip through the tunnel. Like, Indiana Jones, <laughs> a Nazi's face literally Nelson. melts off. Like, we... Kids no, can no, no. deal the with thing this is, stuff. God did that, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, well... So, yeah, I, I think way, ways to improve what we got was, yeah, cut a lot of that exposition out. Chuck your attack on the end. <laughs> yeah, just, little... just to complete your film, just as an idea. Yeah, just um, actually conclude your story. Yeah, like as in because you know that that scene where you know uh, Mrs. Coulter and Azrael they they there and then then that that look on you know because like I think Daniel Craig is a decent enough actor that he could have pulled it off to see Lyra and be like, oh fuck, I gotta yeah. kill a kid. Then just like you know Roger poking that he's like. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not my own daughter. Yay, I can kill this one. And then be like, mm, but she's still here, shit. I think he could, that, you know, even that being portrayed on screen would be really interesting. And it would just, you, you know, it's that sort of bait and switch of like, oh, it's just the kid's film to be like, oh, shit. But then, of course, the uproar that would have had. There would have been uproar, but I actually <laughs> think there also would have been a respect for it. And it would have actually won fans if it had had that ending. I think if it had had that ending, you would have had a whole bunch of people walking down the film being like, oh. And that would be the thing that would stick in people's heads. It would be, oh, I didn't expect it to go yeah. that was dark. It I didn't expect it to be that. I think it was PG. PG. If yeah. you included that ending, would you have had to have gone to M? Depends on how you handle it. Remember they had a, like, Yorick just swipes off someone's whole jaw. Oh, he does. Yeah. Like, kills Ian, Mc- Ian McShane's bear. <laughs> So, like, there is some death-disturbing parts in it. Oh, no. Like, when the fucking witches are just killing all the, like, uh, uh, foreigners, for lack of a better (laughs) word, because they're, like, generic foreigners that have dogs for demons. They're just, like, killing them, and, like, one blow, and their demon just... The dust. Can and you you're like, the- oh, they just killed a dude. Oh, they're just killing yeah. so many people. Yeah, there's people. a lot of death. I was realizing when I was watching it. Yeah, there was I mean, so like, much Harry- fucking death. Harry Potter's, I mean, I know the Harry Potter films oh, are M-rated, but I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's a precedent for right. a PG-rated M-rated. film that, no, but I'm from the fourth one, okay, they yeah. are, and that kids do die like in the final so, battle and stuff. Could but- you imagine this, right? So you'd have, oh, no, he doesn't have, ah, oh, I was going to say, because Roger doesn't have his demon at that point. Damn. Or does he? I don't remember. Fuck. When? At the end. Roger, Roger has his demon. Okay. Billy's the one who loses yeah, yeah, his yeah. demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger's got his demon still. So at the very end, you'd have the close-up of, like, you'd have Billy, um, oh, sorry, Roger, Roger there, and Lord Asriel having to walk towards him, and you sort of pan off to just the demon, and the demon just, psh, dust. Yeah, That's, how like that. yeah. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, and as you're simple like, and elegant oh, as that. Fuck. Oh, I like that, because you'd be like, oh, Jesus, he just got a kid. Yeah, you'd have to show it. It's just like, again, like in, implying is always scarier than what you And then you'd have see. Lyra screaming and, and yeah. the demon disappearing. It'd be powerful. Like, and then you'd just be like, like, what are we And what the gate we? opening, and then be just like, this is what we got to do. And it also ends with, it, instead of the audience ending being like, what What was that about? It ends with the audience being like, what the fuck, what the fuck happens next? Yeah. Where, where's this going from here? If, if that was the start, what what next? What the fuck's going to happen? Mm. Like, which is what a good cliffhanger should do. Yeah, yeah. And didn't the film just end with her being like, I'm going to find my father and it's going to be <laughs> yeah. great. He's not going to kill the I'm kid. It'll f- be lovely. I'm on a flying uh, the, the balloon. Yes, what I'm doing. Ugh. With Evergreen, I think. Yeah, I feel like they just needed to choose an audience. The f- movie failed because they were trying to please both sides. They're mm. trying to please the Christians and they're trying to please the book fans. Mm. And 
by compromising, they pleased neither. The Christians yeah. still thought it like, no, so you guys are really harping on about religion in not a good way. And all the book fans are like, Where, where's the hate? <laughs> yeah, they sort of compromised in the worst way possible. Yeah. Because they still got the backlash. And you just kind of be like, please no one and pissed off everyone. If you Good just, work, guys. Yeah, yeah, well done, new line. So did this, like, this tank new line? Just well, no, yeah. well, it's interesting. Like, it didn't do well in America, which is not surprising. Like, it did, I don't think it did terribly, but it didn't do what they were hoping for. But it actually did well internationally, like in Japan right. and other places. It, it was fine. I think they were kind of, like, they had a director attached for the second one and, like, they hired someone to write the sequel script and stuff. Yeah. And then it just kind of, yeah. Stopped. I think they probably realized it's too much bad press. Yeah, it was someone, not worth yeah. it. One of the act- actors, actresses was saying that, yeah, filming begins at like seven months and it just didn't happen. No. Oh, my, oh, it would be interesting if they had have released the um, <laughs> like the actual ending internationally as well. Yeah, like, like a different. Yeah, that would have been very funny. But apart from like, yeah, those sort of, you know, those really big changes and maybe switching the bear and the rescuing the kids scenes, you know, back to what it was in the book. Because it just doesn't sort of make sense. Apart from that, like, what else would you guys have really uh, done? The with dust. Mm. Um, I think like so. Dust is meant to be a secret, or people don't know about dust. Mm. But then every time a demon dies, it literally blows up into a pile of dust. Mm. And it's kind of like no one made that connection. Mm. Like I, I just feel like they could have explained dust better, or it didn't. Because in, 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 in the book, it's very easy because like capital D dust, good, and you yeah. sort of like all everything in is that is in that shorthand of that capital D, so we kind of get it. So I, I don't know how you do that in a film. Um, yeah, I think it's a tricky thing to try and adapt. Or would you kind of have it like you know? Oh, that's just like because well, how do they do it in the books? How do they kind of do, you know they make that sort of connection? Because again, it's been a while since I've read them. I I don't remember to be honest. I, I really don't. And it's funny because I, I feel like I remember quite a bit of those books because they had such a big impression on me. Mm. But specifics like that um, mm. really, really don't. Because, um, yeah, you could, you, could, you could even have Lyra asking, oh, like, because by that point she's probably, oh, would she have seen someone die when sort of opens explaining it? And then when they sort of mention dust, could then Lyra ask her dad, oh, is that like when the demon like, also... <laughs> Just- <laughs> passes away when some. Because what happens if someone passes away in a non-violent way? Does it just kind of like fade away? Well, I think like the the poof is the movie. Yeah, like it doesn't happen like that in the book. I think in the book, I don't know if the demon just disappears or if just they just away. stay as a body. I'm not sure actually. I think it definitely fades away because I know when they go in the underworld with the harpies, the demon sort of right, yeah, goes. Because so, I, I always cause it could be, you know, the demon like disappears in a big puff of dust when there's a violent death. Because that's kind of all we see in this. That's the particular, only way you can die. Yeah, in this particular um, film. So if someone had, you know, passed away of like old age or something like that, you know, would it just be like disappear and just like you know, little particles just like fall without this big. <laughs> so maybe. So I, I don't know. Maybe you'd have something there, but like it did seem very like that conversation about dust was so ham fisted. <laughs> Yeah, in this film, and it can it could have been very subtle, like you know having her you know because Asriel could have just brought up the fact that dust exists or something, and then her being what the fuck is that, and that being almost like a something that she wants to find out through the whole film to be like really investigative, like like that sort of a question that sort of drives her somewhat because you know, it's information that she's had a little bit of a taste of but has no idea in reality what that means. So while she's finding it out in that world what the hell that means, we are also finding that out what the hell that means. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie would have been better if it had that approach of, like, everything of us learning about what demons were, about other worlds, if mm. it was just, like, slowly I mean, we started learning instead of at the very yeah. first ten seconds we get a big of the info dump. as well, isn't yeah. it? Like- yeah, because... Yeah, when you think about even something as simple as, like, why are demons and, you know, why do you have your... So that, that can be addressed in just a conversation with Lyra and Azrael being like, hey, as, like, you know, Uncle Azrael, um, how, when did you know that a leopard or a snow leopard was, you know, what your demon was going to be? And have a conversation about, you know, growing up in there and being like, well, when you hit a certain age, you'll find, you know, what works for you. And even then, and then she's kind of is like, okay, so from her perspective, she's like, okay, so 
you know, my uncle, dad, my uncle learned about, you know, what he wanted and that kind of stuff. And that's how the he grew up. And then we as an audience are learning, okay, so when you grow older, that thing that is changing stops changing. Cool, I'm on board now. And there's that little subtle ways of of telling that, that we just didn't get, which we could have got through nice dialogue. Yeah, really. absolutely. And like conversation pieces with several of the um, mm. actors. Did the monkey talk in the books? That is an Curious interesting point. Answering? I can't because yeah, the monkey's the only one the whole movie that doesn't talk. He screeches good though. I can't remember if in the books he does talk because he does like I remember he's like little black fingernails in the book and like clawing into shit. And that was like sick. This is awesome. But like, it was like a, a revealing part about her character, mm. the fact that her monkey doesn't say anything. Maybe. Yeah, because again, I really don't remember. Like I remember the of, monkey being yeah. disturbing as fuck. Mm. Especially like more so in the in the novel. Monkeys are horrible animals. Ah, oh, they're amazing. I mean, what do you awful. think of the special Apes effects in the movie? That was kind of like maybe the one thing that they pulled off. They're not bad from memory. They're not bad. They're pretty um, good. Oh, they are. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember this one fucking moment. Like it, you cut to um, Bear Boy being just like. I'm trying to do my best Ian McKellen I can pull this off but it's like well the bear's armor is like his soul <laughs> and then it's just like fair enough that's like their demon they need to be connected to their armor at all times and then Lyra being like we need to rescue the people at the, the, the camp over there uh, ride my back fuck off my armor we'll go faster I'm like <laughs> you just you just said it was your so what the fuck Which, again because they swapped it that would have been why because he hadn't got his armor. Uh, no, he had his armor from the. Um, oh, did, I don't remember. Yeah, but it's just like we can get there faster if I don't wear my armor. But like, you just said it was real important. It like, would have been something important. as simple as like them why? just like why are you doing forgetting to, uh, cheaper to animate or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. probably. Some odd things, but the animation though was uh, good. The bear fights. A good, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. from like 2007. It's right? not this like it, it's yeah. really it from. It, it isn't an awful movie. It's just it's, it's a swing so and a miss. I, I feel like if you didn't know the source material, you'd watch it and be like, "I, I what, what? <laughs> sure, okay. I, I guess that was something somebody funded. I don't know why. Like it, 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 but I think they spent too much time and maybe effort on trying to get the CGI and all that correct." And not enough time spent, say, working on the scripts, yeah, working on the storyline, working the dialogue. Because, you know, I remember reading an interview with Nicole Kidman being like, oh, yeah, the whole mime class in drama school was very important for this because I had to, like, basically mime patting a fucking monkey yeah. when I had, like, a green ball to play with kind of stuff. And I was like, so, yeah, so the mime was really, really important. So she was talking about the acting process in that was kind of hard because, you know, you had to sort of really mime all that. But I think they did a good enough job at mm. it. But I don't know, maybe too much emphasis was put on that. And again, you could have been like, let's develop these characters. Because, you know, her talking about her uncle, like I didn't really get much of a bond there. No. When, when they were, she was just like, that don't trigger, it's poisoned. And like was very, very abrasive. And there could have been like a nice quiet moment between, you know, the uncle It was pretty abrasive in the book though as well. But like, yeah. There was always the impression that Asriel was fairly distant. Mm, and I think like mm. he even says something like, I'll, you know, I'll put you over my knee if you, you know, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. or something like that. Like he's quite aloof and quite distant and quite stern. Yeah. He's not a particularly affectionate man. So, And like in the gypsies, like they could have been, again, a little bit more time and enough, you know, room yeah. to breathe. Maybe less time spent on the, on the battle. But again, TV show. That's why yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, that's why it's have, be I don't good. know if I don't what what concerns me is the fact that the Golden Compass, which is a two hundred and fifty million dollar film, felt cheap. How <laughs> yeah. is a BBC TV series ostensibly going to cover again? Two hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. Yeah, aren't okay, cheap. fair enough. So who are we going to cast <laughs> in the BBC series? Like who's going to be Lyra? Who's going? Well, I mean, that would be an that's, unknown. That's, but like, yeah. what about Azriel? What about Coulter? What about those mm, characters? Mm. Can we just get Sam Elliott to reprise his role as as yeah. Scoresby because he just he nailed it and like he's yeah, he probably like him. looks the same. I don't he know if he's does. aged that much. He never does. I think he like got to a point where he's like sixty six, and that's what you're gonna look like for a while. Yeah, he probably got there around about forty. <laughs> so uh, he's just so good at that. Um, I, I don't know. Like, are they casting like British characters? Like, I assume so. Or are um, they trying to open up the spectrum? I kind of like see Lord Asriel. Pretty different from Daniel Craig. Like, I was imagining more, like, long black hair kind of. Yeah, okay. Mm. Still handsome. Mm. I think that's part of his of his character. Asriel, I could see. Uh, who's, who's a stern British man? 
who's like older. That's like, Idris Elba. But no, no. <laughs> if you had a black Lara, you could yeah, only not? have um, Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, Idris Elba would be a great Lord Asriel. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, guys. I don't think I know that many British actors and like. Because the only other ones I can think of, like, you know, like, Black Books and, like, Mrs. Coulter, Fran from Black Books. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Not so much. Yeah, again, I, I'm not quite sure who I'd want, you know, fan casting of um, the, the TV series. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, um, I'm sure that, like, you know, in about five minutes, I'd be like, oh, that person. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, you know, anyway, it's the English just have, like, an endless well of gravitas and all the adult characters. Yeah. Need to have some gravitas, yeah. so I think we'll be fine. Yeah, like, I, the like I'd love to, pool. you know, exactly. Like, see some kind of, you know, I'd love to see Stephen Fry in a role as something. Yeah, I don't know it's what a little cameo. Yeah, that'd just be, put him in there. Good. He can be, like, just for the sake of irony, just make him one of the priests. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, or, or make like the the headmaster of the school kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, he, he'd think that'd be a nice little cameo there. But I'm not quite sure. I mean, you could go like um, I try and contend that I wouldn't. They couldn't afford him. Like Daniel Craig. Not yeah. Daniel Craig. Sorry, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, <laughs> as who? Anyone really? Yeah. Roger? Oh, he's no, like, he's, he's not the right. Now. He's like in the middle age. Radcliffe's um, like, like Radcliffe's not. Adverse to doing TV though. Like, have you seen Young Doctor's Notebook with him and John Hamm? Oh no! Oh, it's um him and John. He plays a younger version of John Hamm, oh, and John okay. Hamm plays his older self who comes and advises him. He's a young doctor in like pre-Soviet Russia, yeah. and it's really grim and really dark, but like mm. takes nothing seriously because because it is just a it's an event thing. So it's not going to be like an ongoing. I, thing. I think so. I I hope so. So it's like. Because you know, I don't want to. I don't want a scenario where it's like, oh, let's get like five seasons out of this, which, which I don't think the BBC. They, would do yeah, they anyway. really do they don't really that. Yeah. Never that. Do that. Yeah. But um, but luckily, being the BBC, being England, but um, like an event series, I think would be great. Like just one big kind yeah. of because like if they hit, I know there's something like them, um, but... you know, like like this Sherlock thing where it's like, you know, let's have you know mm. three big, you know, hour and a half long episodes, and that just covers the first book. Then like you know, wait a year, three big hour and a half. Yeah, that'd be great. That covers, you know, the second book, that kind of stuff. That'd be really, really cool. But yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, because you're gonna have the big, you know, someone else to be playing. I think a lot of it's gonna be a lot of unknowns, because you know, Lyra Fine, and though. Will, like, we're gonna. Yeah. Have oh yeah, it won't be anyone. We people know that you know parts. are kind of. But that's know, okay. That's, you know, that's that's good. And like, uh, even like you know, Lee Scoresby. Like, uh, why don't they just you know? Because it was a stage play, yeah. 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 At one point, yeah. Go from there. Like, pick. You, know, you probably got like a, a a wealth of actors there that have probably know the roles and know the roles quite well. Someone like Timothy Oliphant, if he was a bit older, would be a good Lee Scoresby. Oh, yeah. But he's sort of coming into like you know early middle age now. He'd be like in his late forties or something, Fuck. surely. Yeah. Alternate Deadwood set in def- yes. Yeah. Why not? Good. <laughs> you sold me on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But you would. I don't know if they would get try and. You'd, you'd hope they would want they wouldn't get a lot of the um, same cast because like Ian McShane could do potentially Lee Scoresby would be old now for it. Yeah, Ian McShane as yeah. Lee Scoresby is probably too big for it. Lee Scoresby's meant to, like Ian McShane's quite a big imposing man. Lee Scoresby's meant to be quite sort of thin and rangy. No, oh, yeah, true. true yeah, true. Um, I mean, I sort of imagine Lee Scoresby as like a bit of. A, I mean, well, really, it's Sam Elliott. Mm. Like he, he I think just he's Sam Elliott. Yeah. I think he's yeah. Sam Elliott was like just perfectly cast for that film. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I just hope that they do a better job than the Golden Compass because I don't think again the Golden Compass. I don't think did a poor job. Mm. I just think that they could have done a better look. I think job. as long as the budget's decent, as long as they understand what the material is that they're dealing with and they treat it with respect and they lean into that, I think it'll be fine. Um, I don't think it, I think you know the benefit of it being the second adaptation in a relatively short period of time is that the lessons learned from the previous one will still be fairly fresh so mm. i think as long as it's a decent creative team behind it um yeah. you'll know what went wrong and you won't repeat those mistakes yeah i certainly wouldn't i'd be going out of my way <laughs> to be doing that no fair uh mild optimism mild optimism is where i stand <laughs> yeah like you know it'll be like 10 years basically when it comes out it wasn't that recent. When yeah, you true. Think about 2007, it. so it's been almost <laughs> like, 10 years oh, now. yeah, that wasn't that long ago. You're like, oh, that was 10 yeah, years true, ago. True, true. Hmm. Maybe the wounds are still fresh. Yeah. yeah. And having rewatched it recently, just kind of like that, that flood of memories just sort of came back, leaving that cinema being like, why? Just a I lot am of. So why? glad I avoided that. I probably could have done more maintenance, but I, I'm glad I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, there you go. And on that note, I've been Joel. I've been Gabe. I'm Elise. And you have a thing oh, coming yes. out? 
Um, I have a web series, if you want to check out, called I Can't Even. It's very nerdy. Each episode is about a different fandom. Um, Probably up your alley if you want to check it out. Awesome. All of those links will be in the show notes below, and we will see you next time. If you've got any thoughts, opinions about uh, the Golden Compass or the Dark Materials trilogy or what you want to see in the upcoming BBC event series or whatever the fuck they're making, yeah, let us know. Uh, just tweet at us, at Sandspans Radio, or me personally. I'm at GoddammitZamit. I'm at Gobergmoser. I'm at, at Elise. <laughs> From that kind of expression, you don't use Twitter a lot, do you? Uh, no, I just like chose a bad handle. It's like <laughs> at the at symbol, then at Elise. Um, because when oh, I so made. You're, you're at at Elise. Yeah, like that's how. It was kind of a dumb joke, but when I first made my first ever email address, it, mm-hmm. I didn't know because I was nine years old. I didn't know the squiggly sign meant oh. at. So I did Elise at at hotmail.com. Ah, that's um, enough. If you want to email me there, I don't check my hotmail account anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, stalkers. <laughs> If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.